Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 10. After our usual segments of In the Kitchen and Movement Makeover, we will be discussing postnatal exercise. If you would like to submit a question, head on over to realmomsreallife.com. Don't forget, all of the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Beth. How are you? I'm good. I just realized that I was saying postnatal exercise when it's really postpartum exercise because we're talking about the mom and not the baby today, but... Oh, that's true. (laughs) We're just going to leave that in there. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> I knew what you meant. So what's going on lately? Um, gosh, I finished my group program, which was really awesome. I had this one woman whose blood sugar levels were like regularly in the 170s, and now they're regularly like 103, 105, which is like amazing. Awesome. So it was really, really cool to see that. And then... um. We've been doing a very modified approach to sleep training, and it's been going rough but well. And then last night, I think Remy just got a cold or got sick, so he's like has the sniffles and is coughing. And like we haven't really had that yet, so it's just really sad. (laughs) I am amazed that you've made it this far without a cough, cold, or the sniffles, so congrats on that front. No, we just had an ER visit, you know, a four days at five weeks, but (laughs) but no sniffles or cough. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) But, yeah, but, well, I mean, he's sleeping now, so hopefully he stays asleep for this. How about you? Things are good over here. We just had a shower for my sister-in-law this weekend because she's having a baby as well. And that was really fun. And I... I don't know if you know this. I don't think I've told you this. I participate in this TV show that's going to be on Amazon Prime. It's been on some other network for a little while. And they're nutrition consultants, so I'm preparing to record a couple new episodes with them with recipes and things like that. So I'm excited to do it this weekend upcoming, but I'm also excited to be done because it's a lot of prep work of like making, completely making, um, because we're doing three recipes, completely making three recipes and then preparing all the ingredients to actually make them on the show. It's just, it's a lot to to do in like a two day span. Cause I can't do it too much ahead of time, but I'm excited. I'm sure. That's really cool. Wait, so have you done other episodes? This, yeah, this is my third season with them. So oh, wow. I've done last season. I did three recipes and then they had this whole ask Beth segment and cool. the season before I can't remember. I might've done one or two recipes. I can't remember how many recipes I did the season before, but she also wants to do a – we're going to do a grocery store tour this season, and it's fun. A couple of the videos so of, cool. Yeah, of my segments are on my website. But, um, I'll have to look. What's yeah. the show? It's called My Fitness RX. Yeah, very cool. Did not know that. Those nice. little tidbits. Yeah, I'm going to have to look for that. Very cool. All right, well, let's get started and move on to In the Kitchen, your quick nutrition tip. So this isn't exactly a kitchen tip today, but I just wanted to say that you should drink more water because you're probably not drinking enough. And I feel like for me, especially in the winter months where I'm not as hot, 
an IE, I'm like freezing cold. It's a lot harder for me to drink water, but it's still, you know, you might not be sweating as much as you are in the summer, but it's still important to get a pretty good amount of water. So to do that, I bring a water bottle with me pretty much everywhere. And then I'm also trying, because I'm on the road a lot, to make sure that I keep getting it filled up by different places. So I'll go into a convenience store and I'll just fill it up with more water. I asked them to fill it at Starbucks today and do that kind of thing. So I'm not continuously buying plastic bottles of water for various reasons. One is my wallet and that I always have my water with me. I think that is a fantastic tip because I completely agree. Most people do not drink enough water. And I I don't know if you still use the same like equation, the NTA equation of half your body weight in ounces, but I feel like that's a really good guide. So if you take your body weight in pounds and divide it by two, that's how many ounces of water you should be drinking. So if you're not there, you can drink, start, start, uh, moving up towards that. <laughs> yep, and I do, I do recommend that same equation for my clients, yeah. so I fully support yeah. that. And I actually find for me it's low, like I drink more, or I don't, I don't always drink more, that's a lie, <laughs> but when I, if I'm just drinking that, like I feel like it's not enough, like I really need to drink more than that, so experiment around, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know for me when I, at the end of the day, if I haven't drank enough during the day, I get really thirsty right at night. And it's kind of annoying because I'm like, I want to drink water right now because I'm really thirsty, but I don't want to have to pee all night. So trying to get a little, I know you should sip throughout the day, but getting more in in the morning and kind of tapering down through the afternoon can make those night trips. I know we already talked about blood sugar regulation, but can make those a little bit better. Totally. Yeah, since I'm still getting up to nurse, I like drink like an entire water, bo- water bottle at the, in the middle of the night because I'm normally not drinking enough during the day. And that's like my sign of like, oh my God, I really need to drink more. If I've like finished my 26 ounce water bottle in the middle of the night and I'm still thirsty, I'm like, hmm, did not get enough water today. I need to work on that tomorrow. <laughs> well, and that's a really good point. You said that, you know, you're still nursing mm-hmm. and pregnancy and nursing requires a lot more fluid than that, you know, half your body weight in mm-hmm. ounces. I think uh, my obstetrician said at least an additional 20 ounces on top of like the normal recommendation for pregnancy. And I feel like it's probably more for breastfeeding depending on how frequently your child's nursing and if it's exclusive or not. So yeah, just drink more water. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the, our movement makeover. All right, so mine for this week is standing instead of sitting whenever you can, and I am currently trying to do this, or I am doing this. (laughs) So um, I realize, you know, every every week for this podcast, I'm just sitting there, you know, at my desk, and I do that, you know, if I'm answering client emails or I'm, like, in client sessions, I end up sitting quite a bit um, when really I could be standing. So I'm trying to be better about standing and I have this like little it's like I think it's a camera stand I don't know I got it for like 35 bucks on somewhere I'll send you a link to if I can find remember what it is because I've got this like two or three years ago but I think it's for photography equipment it's kind of like a music stand so it's really small it folds up and then I can just pull it out and set my laptop on it and I can stand and do my work and it's super easy. Um, other times you can stand instead of sit as if you're on a phone call. Um, 
you know, just when you're in between things when normally you would be sitting down waiting for something, it's just like stand up, move around, and yeah, just pay attention to how much you're sitting. I love that. I am not standing right now. We do have a standing <laughs> desk, but my husband, who works from home, uses it primarily most of the day. But one of the times I do like to stand and move is if I have any work phone calls that I know I'm not really participating in and I just mostly have to listen to but need to be present, then I will call in and go for a walk. And I will walk around my neighborhood and just, you know, not just stand but walk while I'm doing that. So I fully support that tip. Nice. All right. So we are going to be talking about postpartum exercise today. So we talked a lot about exercise in general last week and we briefly went into Andrea's story about diastases and preparing for that during during pregnancy, but now we want to talk about what to do postpartum. So you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. So I want to start with like just, you know, you just got home postpartum and those first like few days and weeks. So you know, you really should not be thinking about getting into any type of exercise routine in those, especially the first few days. Uh, You absolutely should be recovering. Your body just went through a major trauma, so you need to be recovering. That being said, you're obviously moving, so being just really mindful of your movement um, during the first week especially, I mean, beyond that as well. But, um, Every time you're, you know, going to get out of bed instead of like sitting up, like, you you know, kind of like a sit up position, like roll onto your side and use your arm to push yourself up and really, you know, engage your core as much as possible in order to do that. Anytime you're going to go pick up your baby, same thing, really think about your form, think about engaging your core, being really, really diligent about like kind of pre- like preparing your body for those movements because your baby's heavy. I mean, what? I mean, on average, you're like seven pounds. So it's like all of a sudden you're lifting a seven pound object (laughs) that moves (laughs) around and, you know, you're probably, you know, putting them down on like in a bassinet or something like that, which is, can be a little tough on motor, um, motor patterns. So being really, really mindful of that as your body's recovering, I would say would be the first step to that. Anything to add to that piece? No, I think that's a great intro. And yes, I mean, I will share a little bit of my story because my issues came when I started to try to do some postpartum things. And I felt like, and I don't know if you guys, if I told you guys before, but I had ended up with a a C-section with my fur. So I did a lot of walking, probably waited about a week or so to start walking. We were in the hospital for four days, so I was really only home for a couple of days before I started walking, and I was being really good about listening to my body from the beginning and being mindful of my body position because as a PT, that's kind of what you do. And then I ran into some neighbors, and they were saw me walking my little one stroller, and they were saying, oh, yeah, I get together with so-and-so, and we run. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get back into this when when I'm ready. So I literally, my six-week appointment, got clearance from my doctor that I could go back and do. And they were like, yeah, you can do everything. So the day after that appointment, I tried to go running with my neighbor. And it was the most, like, awkward and uncomfortable situation because I get there all bundled up. 
ready to go because it's mid mid to late October and I start running with them and I ran maybe a block and I was like this is awful I cannot do this and what was I thinking trying to go run with these people that had been running together for weeks upon weeks upon weeks their youngest kids were like two or three and I'm here trying to join them on a run one day after I get cleared six weeks after abdominal surgery so yes don't rush into anything yeah I think we do not give ourselves enough I don't know, credit, I don't know if that's the word, for how much trauma you're going through. Yes, like you had major abdominal surgery. Even if you didn't have a C-section, it is still just, it, it is a trauma to your body. And it takes like minimum six weeks for those tissues to start recovering. And past that, they are still recovering. So easing into it. You will absolutely not be able to do what you could do before. And like that is okay. And the fastest way to get back to doing what you did before is to slow it down at first. Because if you jump in too fast, you will likely injure yourself and then you're going to sideline yourself for even longer. So being really respectful of that. And I'd say even in the first few days, like if you have stairs in your house, don't go up and down stairs if you don't need to, you know, have someone else who can do that for you or just park yourself in a situation where you're not having to do things even like that. Things that seem super basic and easy just like lay off for a while like um there's a reason in most cultures except for ours that women are just like cater to hand and foot after pregnancy or after after birth like they have people that do everything for them they have a whole tribe and we just don't have that we kind of feel like okay we have to get up and do everything for ourselves so and i know that's not obviously possible to have that like my husband went back to work like I don't know, like two days after Remy was born. But, um, you know, he he made sure I had food and like, you know, he set me up as, as best as he could. <laughs> and you just do the best with what you have. And yeah, don't have any high expectations of yourself to start with. Really let yourself recover. So what are things that we should start with? What do you think? I think getting really aware of our core again would be the number one thing to do. So really finding those transverse abdominus muscles. It's those muscles that you can kind of think about them between your hip bones. They run um, side to side and you can almost think that they like are like your own personal corset. Um, You don't want to be holding your breath or bracing. It's just finding that engagement there. And I know I mentioned last week the Lauren Ohian program. She has really good um, tips on that. And then I've made a video on that too, so we can link to that on how to find your core. So I think before you do anything else, like you need to find your core again. That That is absolutely where I would start. And you should be very comfortable figuring out how to engage it with different movements. I would agree with that 100%. So it's really... Not necessarily like, oh, we'll start trying to find your core at seven days postpartum, but, you know, we'll link to Andrea's video, but like laying on your back, seeing if you went, you know, if you can activate your core and then when you're able to activate your core and you get that pretty good and like in a safe laying on your back, knees bent position, that's maybe when you can start to do a couple more exercises. Would you agree with that? That's like a good key to know when you should start or when you can start totally yes and I think I think you can start finding your core like 
the day after you, you know, give birth. It's just, you're finding it by just laying there. Like you're literally like, if someone was looking at you, they would have no idea you're doing anything. So it's just like starting to create that awareness with your breath. So maybe on your exhale, you're just like doing a full deep exhale. And at the very end, you can usually feel those core muscles contract as you're breathing all the way out to force that air out. And something like that would be very safe to do right afterwards, just because you can then use that as you're moving. So as you're going to go pick up your baby, you can like be like, okay, I just can exhale out, get that little bit of that contraction and then pick up my baby for instance. But yes, until you can do that really consistently, I completely agree that you shouldn't be then adding, you know, purposely adding movements to it. Yeah, definitely. And I would say kind of from there, once you find your core, sticking with exercises that you can do on your back. I found um, Jesse Mundell probably a year after I had my child, but she has two programs that are, she has this whole kind of pregnancy and postpartum, all these programs of fitness. And she has this one, it's, it's restoring after C-section and also restoring after, after vaginal delivery. So they're both programs. Now I, of course, downloaded the C-section one, so I'm not sure how they differ too much. And I don't think there's significant differences, but it's laying down exercises. You start really slow. She gives you some really nice guidelines. There's videos and there's checklists and instructions. And I really think that following a good sturdy program that is not going to push you too fast, you know, too far too fast is a really smart way to get yourself back into things. And then I would maybe do one of these kind of floor-based programs for four to six weeks before you consider, you know, doing upright exercises. Now, I, you know, walking when you feel comfortable, I think is fine, especially when you're able to feel that core. But as far as even air squats and starting to do more upright movement, I would, I would give yourself a solid four to six weeks of making sure that you can have a good, good stable core during these floor exercises. Yeah, I totally agree. And I totally agree on finding a good program. I've heard really good things about Jesse Mundell as well. Um, I just haven't done it personally, but it is really nice to just have something to take you along. And there are free resources out there, but I would just be really, really cautious. Um, some advice is just not very good. Um, so I would maybe stick with Jesse Mundell, Lauren Ahoyan. I feel like there's one other one that is pretty popular, um, but I can't think of it right now. Um, and I mean, they're not, they're not that expensive. It's like a hundred bucks or something like that. And it's, you know, taking care of your body. So it's totally worth it. Um, I started walking probably like three weeks and I would just do like laps or like literally around my house, like around my backyard. <laughs> and I purposely would not put Remy in a carrier because I was listening to a lot of Katie Bowman stuff and she was just talking about how when you have them in a carrier, it really makes you brace in different ways than using your reflexive core. And I totally found that to be a true, a true. When I had him in a sling or an ergo, I, my back would really start hurting. I had a really hard time feeling my core, but when I was just carrying him, um, I could use my core a whole lot better. Now I could not walk nearly as far, but I could like, my abs would be like sore in a really good way after that. Like, I'm like, okay, I totally worked my abs there. And I was very consciously trying to do that. 
versus in the carrier like my back would just hurt and I could like feel my abs were like not engaged and it was just really like I was really having to fight and like brace to engage them not like this natural reflexive core that should be happening so um, using your baby as a little bit of a weight and stabilization once you are ready and you can feel that is a great way to start too. That makes a lot of sense. I've always loved kind of using those ergos and baby carriers and things like that. But now that you're talking about it, it you're essentially continuing on with your pregnancy when you're carrying that baby exactly where they were when they were in your belly. But now you're trying to regain that core stabilization. Whereas when you carry your baby, you're able to shift a little bit and move and you're a little bit more conscientious because you don't want to drop the baby, right? That's probably not a good idea. So you are definitely going to be more aware if you're carrying your baby versus just wearing it. And I mean, um, the posture that we all eventually get to towards the end of pregnancy, if we're wearing them on our front, it's, it's going to kind of continue that posture, even though this is the time where we want to start kind of coming out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So I think we have a little bit more time. Do we want to dive a little bit more into diastases after after baby? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we covered definitely some of it last week, but I think really just being diligent about like checking in on yourself, you know, throughout your exercise process. So as you are getting stronger and feeling better, you can do the diastasis check on yourself, just like literally Google how to check if I have a diastasis. Um, or you can ask your OB to help you or a physical therapist would be even better <laughs> to help you. And, um, and check and make sure you're checking all the way down your line. Um, I know a lot of OBs like we'll just check in like one place if they even check at all. But you should really be checking down the entire line from like well above your belly button all the way down towards your pubic bone. Because sometimes it can be closed in one area but open in another area. So just really being mindful of that. And if it if you are not kind of passing the test, then knowing that anything that is aggressive on your core is probably not appropriate right now. Um, also knowing though, that it does not need to be completely closed. Um, and sometimes it might not ever completely close. The important part is that you are able to engage your core and kind of like hold everything in. So when you're doing the test, you might find that if you're not thinking about engaging your core, you just lift up your head that you do have that, um, doming that happens. But if you are then consciously engaging your core and you can control that doming, well, that's really, really good. And if you know, the space is only like two or three fingers, you can still do things. It does not need to be completely closed. I think that's a really common myth. Um, I don't know if you have anything to say about that. No, I think just in case people didn't listen to last week's episode where mm -hmm. we talked about, Prenatal exercise, I just wanted to bring it up because, again, you know, if somebody's not in or if somebody's not during pregnancy, they might not want to listen to that episode. So I just wanted to bring it up. And that was one of the things that I really liked about the Jesse Mandel program is that she has you check it and track it. And yes, it doesn't have to go fully back to it, but being mindful of what your body's doing when you're doing core exercises or any exercises as you're getting back into exercise. Knowing how to look at it, find it, and make sure that you're stabilizing well enough that you're not making it worse, and then you might actually be making it better with certain exercises. So I think that's really important. 
Yeah, definitely. And then just, you know, listen to your body. Uh, Keep in mind that you are, you know, most people are nursing. You might not be, but if you are nursing and you're sleep deprived and, you know, you have this whole new element and change in your life, again, just being, giving yourself some grace about, you know, getting back to where you were, like give it a ton of time. I mean, years, honestly, (laughs) if you need to, just depending on where you're starting from, because, May, you know, you you just aren't going to be able to work out and recover as, as well as you could when you are getting up three or four times a night to nurse or you have a crying baby who's colicky. Um, you just like cannot expect yourself to go and then do a high intensity workout and have it be good for your body. <laughs> That's fair enough to say. Yeah. And I would even say too, that you don't necessarily have to get back to where you were before, you know, depending on your job now, if you're in you know, we're in the Olympics right now. So if you're an Olympian, then yeah, you're probably going to want to get back to where you were, but the way that you're going to set up your environment and your abilities to do that and the support that you're going to have is going to be a whole lot different than most of us that don't do fitness as a job or as a, you know, and and I'm going to say even competitive fitness because as a coach, as a trainer, that kind of thing, you don't have to be hitting the same PRs that you were hitting before. I always think of like, hey, my body's different. My hips are not the same as they were before. I'm in different alignment than I was before. Yeah, I can still keep moving and doing things, but I might have to shift and adjust a little bit. And I would really recommend that most people ask their OBs for a prescription for a pelvic floor physical therapist before they really get back to anything. It's not standard of practice in the United States, but it's something that you can get everything checked out, see what's working, see what's not working, see, you know, maybe you did too many Kegels during pregnancy and you need to back off a little bit and you need to learn how to relax it. Or maybe you need to do some more or learn how to activate at the right time. And a pelvic floor physical therapist can really help you kind of give you that guided program. It's mostly covered by insurance with a copay. So even though the programs that we're recommending are really fantastic, if you're not sure where to begin and it's, I mean, even I don't want to assess myself on that stuff. So having that professional say, Hey, you know what? You're doing great. This is what I would recommend to help you progress even more. Uh, completely that a thousand times. Yes. Um, I mean, both Beth and I are physical therapists. Like this is what our training is in. I mean, neither of us are, you know, pelvic floor PTs, but even despite knowing that, like that is my profession. Like I could cue you, you know, till the cows come home on how to engage your core. However, I still went and saw my own pelvic floor physical therapist. It is incredibly hard to know if you're engaging the correct muscles at the correct time. So it's absolutely worth doing. Um, And I have had multiple people tell me their OB would not write a script because they thought it was not needed. Find a new doctor, find a new OB, like fight for that because it's so, so important. And that like makes my blood boil. And I've, you know, heard it multiple times now. So I don't know (laughs) what's up with that. Um, but I also wanted to go back to something else you said about the whole, you know, you don't need to go back to where you were. And yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. I like peeves me so much when I see like the get your body back programs, because I'm like, okay, you're not going to get your body back. Like you can't, your body is different now. Like end of story. That doesn't mean you can't 
end up with a better body than you had or a stronger body than you had. Or maybe you just never choose to go back to that and that's totally fine and you just put your focus somewhere else. Like whatever you want is totally fine. Um, I've actually, like my goal after having Remy and stuff is like, okay, I really want to participate in the Open like this year, so of 2018. Um, And about a month ago, I was like, no, like that's stupid. Like for me, like that's, I, I could, like, I honestly probably could, I could probably do it and do most of the motions, but I'm just gonna likely hurt myself. Um, I've just decided to really take a completely different uh, route and really focus on some of my flexibility, especially my hips, focus on my core a lot more because there's a reason I had such a bad diastasis and it's because I was ignoring all that stuff pre-pregnancy. It is not because of my pregnancy that I had that. It was all the other stuff that I was ignoring beforehand. So I've decided that like I am focusing on my core, focusing on my flexibility. And until I can get that back, I'm not going to go back into the strength training stuff. That being said, it's still my goal to eventually go back into it. I just want to have like my body, you know, be in a very good position before I'm doing that. And I'm hoping that as I do that, then I could eventually even get stronger than where I was. But it's going to probably take years to do that. And I'm cool with that because eventually that's going to mean I have like greater longevity and greater health and hopefully less pain, you know, when I'm 80 years old. So, yeah. That's a great kind of wrap up. I, I would definitely agree. And I would say I'm, I'm really proud of you for, I don't want to say, I'm going to say postponing your goal. I, I think that we really shouldn't make now I'm I'm very supportive of concrete goals and very specific goals, but I don't think that anyone should make concrete or specific weight loss or fitness goals for a year postpartum. I think the goal should be nourish your body, exercise when you feel like it and when you can, but above all else, like take care of stress and get yourself sleeping <laughs> whatever you can. I mean just giving yourself, you know, they say, well, you, you know, it took you nine months to get pregnant. So it should take, you know, continue at least nine months to kind of get quote unquote, get the weight off. If that's something that is, is a goal or a passion for you. But I really don't think, you know, especially if you're breastfeeding and that the goal for the first year postpartum should just be getting as much self-care as possible. Speaking of what are you doing for self-care this week? Um, I am kind of really just going alongside what you just said. I'm trying to nourish myself and listen to myself. Um, that being said, I'm also have been concentrating on like the difference between like two. I, I actually just did a, vi- a video on this in the Facebook group. So there, I feel like there's a fine line between being like, okay, well, I'm just going to postpone everything for my own self-care And then it just leading to more stress later on. So I'm really focusing on like asking myself, okay, if I am taking this time to rest, to nap or, you know, whatever it is, is it going to make my life better today or for the rest of today or tomorrow or for next week? Or is it going to give me more stress? Um, And it's been, it's been kind of just like fun to do that self-reflecting on there. So, you know, some things I'm like, okay, like right now I should go do the dishes and I can be like, is that really going to make my life better? And I can be like, no, my husband can do them later. So, yep, I'm going to ignore them. <laughs> or I can be like, oh, no, I need to do this because if I don't, I'm going to be scrambling at midnight to get it done because I have to get this email sent out by today. And, like, that's not worth that. So just differentiating between those. Hopefully that makes sense. 
Yeah, definitely. And for me, and I'm actually going to go kind of with a little hand slap here of what I have not been doing to take care of myself. So when my baby was first born, everybody kind of talked about like how they couldn't shower. But my goal in life after my child was born was to get a shower in every day because that made me feel like me. I don't wear makeup. I don't wear fancy clothes. So like a shower is all I need. So I'm not one of those people that's going to like do my hair with some dry shampoo I'm just going to let it be greasy. So I was really great about that for a really long time. Since this pregnancy, though, I've been a little more tired, and I just want to sleep as long as possible. So I haven't been waking up to take a shower, like, early enough every single day, or I get up, and, like, if the kids are already up and we start going, it's like, oh, well, you know what? I showered yesterday. I'll be okay today. And no, I'm not going, like, two days in a row without a shower, but I told my husband today, he's like, Beth, you still got to take care of yourself. So, like, because that's something that I am passionate about, that I enjoy, and it makes my body feel better to take a shower every day. So that's what I'm going to work on this week is to get my shower in pretty much every day. Yeah, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm going for. That sounds awesome. I love that. And I love the emphasis on, like, that's what makes you feel good. Yeah. Because, like, I really don't care. <laughs> right. I mean, to each their own. This is, you know, this is where our time where we could talk about, like, this is, this is what I do for me. Yes, I love that. No, I, I really, really love that. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. Next week, we're going to be talking about postpartum nutrition. Follow us on social media for news updates and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Pizza Real Eats and Andrea at Life Liberty Health on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com. Like, I feel like the kid, poor kid, like, never leaves the house. Like, we really need to, like, expose him to things more. But You can, you can wait till March. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of fine. I'm like, you know what? Just whatever. He can get socialized later on. <laughs>